there's got to be this even ground somewhere to keep your sanity of keeping it smooth. Nobody's going to care more about your money than you do. So if you don't understand what you've set up, how do you know how you're doing? Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. All right. Welcome back to the show. We are back with Brett Riggins for the second half of the show. And if you were here for the first half of this show, you remember we talked about he's got a program called Real Estate Residency, which teaches the fundamentals for single family homes and short-term rentals, and then also a program to help doctors start investing in single family homes. And we were talking though more in detail about how to do short-term rentals because it's something we hadn't done before. So back to the short-term rentals. Again, so we talked about building a team. We talked about super hosts because that's kind of the role. When somebody puts up that they're a super host, that kind of says, I want to manage other people's stuff. No, not necessarily, Mike. Super host is a classification that you receive from Airbnb for being a particular type of host on their platform. I don't know the exact circumstances in which you would qualify, but I know it's related to uh, reviews, overall reviews, five-star reviews, and then timeframe of the properties as well too. Okay. And then we talked about using a website, AirDNA, as a source for finding some numbers on what Airbnbs rent for in an area. Is that basically what it's giving us there? Absolutely. So in your real estate residence, you said there's a section on short-term rentals. Yes. And so with that, that'll kind of walk somebody through building that team that's necessary? Yeah. So the team, whether it's short-term or long-term, the idea is all the same. Inside of that team, what's going to defer a little bit is the exit strategy of the asset, right? And when I say exit, it doesn't mean I'm leaving. It's just what I'm doing with the asset, right? So instead of doing long-term where I'm setting out this 12-month lease to 24-month lease, this is the income that I get. Instead of doing that, I've just got different inputs into my investment calculations of my income's a little different. The way that I'm managing it, the cost of managing it, there's some more expenses in there. And it's also explained in that briefly in that module. Okay. So if somebody came into it with no idea at all, but wanted to give short-term rentals a try, by the time they came through the residency, they'd have enough to kind of get started. Yes, absolutely. You'd have the ability to start networking, knowing who to look for, how to build your team, who to ask, what kind of question. The first part of this whole thing, Mike, I know you could appreciate is aligning your strategy with your values and the time that you have to invest in this. So just because you want to invest in Airbnb, it may not be the right fit for you right now. So that's step number one in real estate residency is choosing the right thing for you right now. And also the exit that aligns with where you want to be in five years or 10 years, you know? Okay. Now, when we talked about the physician wealth system is your system where 12 properties in 12 months. If somebody hadn't listened to the first half of the show, if somebody came and said, well, can I use that system to build a series of Airbnbs instead of month-to-month rentals? 
Yeah, the capital requirements going to be a little different, Mike. When it comes down to that, we're going to spend a little more money. Nicer properties cost more money, right? Okay. Nicer properties and nicer areas cost more money. Typically, when we're looking at our investment objectives for long term, I've got a very specific set of investment objective minimums. So when we go out and we hit these, we're typically going to fall in the price point in our current markets right around the 130 to 180 ARV after repair value. So in most markets, you're going to find that it's probably more difficult to be able to Airbnb at that price point in any market, right? We're not just going to invest in any market. I want stable markets. I want affordable markets, but I want markets where there's people are going to be coming to, right? Especially for Airbnb, because it's more of a hospitality than it is providing a long-term place for somebody to live. So the Airbnb process might be a little slower, or it's just going to require a lot more capital if you're wanting to go fast. Everything is possible with time and money. And and there's a, (laughs) a proportional relationship in the two of them. So yeah, it just depends. The deployable piece the kind of deals that you're finding. There's so many variables, just like every other asset class, every other type of investment in real estate. There's so many variables that go into it. Is it possible? Yes, you could do it fast. You could do it when you're pulling out more money than you have in the property. That's possible. But the more benefit that you get, the more time it's going to take, right? So there's just things that drive. And if we're doing these in sweat equity, then I have the ability to do that. When I say sweat equity, I'm meaning I'm putting more of my own time in these things as opposed to turnkey scenarios You know that may cost a little more money. Okay. Now, my mind's looking at this and I'm seeing like two sides. On one side, I'm thinking if I wanted to build a portfolio of Airbnbs from an operational standpoint, it would be better to put them closer together because it's only one market or fewer markets I have to understand right. when I'm talking about managing them. I got three letters Seems for like you, that Mike. would be easy. Tax. Like there's tax and bank accounts. And I mean, LLCs, like every time you move to a different state, it sets up a complexity for you. Before we even got into that, Mike, I would say, why do you want a portfolio of Airbnbs? Well, I'm just thinking from a standpoint of scaling that if I said, I want to build my real estate future in Airbnb. Um, And if this is going to start to replace a job or make it so I don't have to work as much, I'll need some scale. I imagine I buy one beach house. I'm not ready to retire off of one beach house. Mm -hmm. So if I said, I like this model, it makes sense to me. I like going on vacation. Yeah, I'm coming back. I don't know if we're talking about a hypothetical scenario here or your scenario specifically, but I would still question the velocity of money that you have there too, versus how you feel, how something makes you feel, how you think something is. I mean, if you want to go on vacation, pay somebody else doing Airbnb $2,000 and stay in their place for a week, you know? Yeah. Well, and so that was the two sides of that question. From a pure investment standpoint that I'm going to own Airbnbs because we're going to lease them out and we're going to make money. And they're purely a business versus the other side, because I've heard people talk about this, that, okay, I want to have a condo in San Diego and one in San Francisco and in Vail and in New York. And then I can go stay in all these places and rent them out the other times. If somebody came to you and said, this is my idea, Brett, what do you think? I wouldn't be able to help you. 
No, (laughs) that gives me a headache just thinking about that, Mike. (laughs) No, I mean, not just because it's not my lane. It's just, again, I would wonder why. Why would you want to do that? If that's what you want to do, just think of the complexity. Unless you have a power team that does that. If you have a power team that sets that up, because think about your LLC. Every time your LLC practices in this state, there's certain things that you have to do. In this state, there's certain things that you have to do, right? So there's so much complexity that goes in that your resources, what happens when something breaks down? Who are you going to call? You have to build property management team that not only are good, but you trust with your money. That's who's managing your assets. So I'm a firm no on that. I'm a firm right. no and say, come on, let's go for a vacation. You want to go to Vail? Let's go have a vacation. I will happily pay somebody $2,000, $3,000 to stay in their place and let them do that. I just want to make sure that my money's performing and I can do that in things that aren't quite as sexy. You know, I think that's part of the art of it. Sometimes for people who want to do things that are cool. And for me at this point in my career, Mike, I've banged my head up against the wall so many times on things that looked cool from the outside, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Because I could see these conversations going on. I'm like, all right, let's ask these questions. So the idea of owning Airbnb so you can stay at them builds complexity, likely lower returns, more work. So that's the opposite of scaling. Yeah. If in your mind, if you think about what scaling is, It's like creating a sausage machine, right? Like creating this thing that's going to create this pump, this product out. And hopefully you're not killing yourself in the making of that process, right? So it's just the complexities of scattering yourself out. And I have so many colleagues that have like just absolutely crushed themselves and have ran away from real estate by acquiring this county, acquiring over here, acquiring over here, and just not implementing economies of scale. Because that machine... You build the machine and it does it once and again and again and again, where as soon as you move to another location, you need to set a different machine, basically. It might be similar, but... 100%. You have the same process to build that machine, but then you're scaling a machine itself. You're not scaling the investments. Okay. So I guess this goes back to single family too. When you're going through that process with somebody... You're looking to do it in one location? Yeah, I'm going to put 12 properties together in one location. Now, the thing I like to do is, okay, then we can diversify. We can pull and pop another 12 in another location just to keep you a little more diversified. But I'm okay, 10, 20, 30, 40 houses in one area, as long as you're buying them right and you are filtering the areas, you're doing the right areas then it's still not the mass scale if something were to happen, right? And at diversifying the way that you're holding. So there's things that you can do in each one of these steps. So you don't have to scatter stuff out, Mike. Think about how much easier it is to be in one spot, to call one person, to have one answer, to have owner's statements coming from one property management company. Like there's so much value into that. Just makes me happy (laughs) to think about it. (laughs) It builds it kind of getting the same advantages of being an apartment building that you have a property manager, you have a maintenance person, you have the same plumber, if you're talking about toilets, that they work with you enough that they know you, you have a relationship. And so you build that efficiency and that economy of scale. Yes. And so what would be the minimum or the, in one market, is that 10 to 12? Is that the what you'd look for. And then if you wanted to diversify, you'd say, okay, 
let's do 12 in one market. And then if we're going to diversify, then 12 in another market, do you look at certain numbers or is it more? Yeah, I don't have any empirical evidence to back my opinion on that particular thing there, Mike. The 12 in 12 comes from setting out a year together, having a long-term foundation set together to build these solutions together. And then diversifying would just be kind of like dependent on you as an investor to say, are you comfortable going another 12 here? Because we can turn it up and go another 12 here. Also, what we're doing, Mike, inside of there, clients have to refer to their attorneys. I'm not an LLC, an entity attorney at all. I know the way that I've structured things, but we'll put you know, around six or seven properties in an LLC, then we'll create a new LLC to kind of separate the liability and then separate the assets kind of sticking around that 1 million rule on total asset value. But every time you do that, you do mitigate some of that risk by keeping the assets separate, but you add complexity. And when I say add complexity, because you're building another LLC, you're paying your accountant to run another set of books, you are managing another credit card, another checking account, another savings account, right? So that's just adding that complexity for every LLC you add to. Okay. And I think that's a key thing is having a lawyer and accountant who do real estate and maybe not just real estate who do that specific thing. Mm Because when I started in this, I'm asking my accountant, who is the business accountant for the practice, hey, I want to do this real estate thing. And they were like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, at least they they told you that. That was good rather than, yeah, I'll do it. Well, they gave you this little bit of advice, but it in no way they weren't talking, hey, did you do your cost segregation? And I think that's the key of finding an accountant and a lawyer who this is what they do. There's this thing that happens there, Mike, and I know you've seen this, and I've even had this conversation with people before, investors, and for the listeners, I'm pointing my fingers in two different directions and my hands are crossing. And in this conversation, I've also said that I don't have enough arms to do this when I'm in these conversations because the accountant's going to say, go ask your attorney this question. The attorney's going to say, go ask your consultant. The consultant's going to say, ask your accountant. So, I mean, there's like, there's so many things that line up in here where it's, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But having a consultant who has that big picture perspective, like exactly what you say, Mike, knows what they're doing when it comes to this specifically, whether you're investing in multifamilies, whether you're investing in single families, um, all the way down to the entity attorney and the accountant. I mean, everybody's got to do this. You can even ask your accountant, how many rental properties do you have? Why should you be booking my rental properties if you don't have any rental properties? I've seen one organization that had the real estate attorneys and accountants under one roof. Have you seen that in other places? I would tell you a story about that. So (laughs) when we first started, we were with a company called NCH, Nevada Corporate Headquarters. And I loved working with them because I could lean on their experience. I would knowing that things were getting taken care of. The problem that I had is I built the analogy I've put together here is this foundation for our investment companies, right? Because we were flipping, we were holding, we had commercial, all of this stuff. We built this foundation of entities that would hold a skyscraper. But all we had sitting on this foundation was like a two bedroom beach house or something. So it just, we made things way too complicated. At one point, I think it had like 14 LLCs or 12 or 14 LLCs. It was a nightmare. We were spending so much on accounting, it would blow your mind what we were spending on accounting because of the complexity that we had set up. So I would just encourage people to work with the right team. But at the same time, 
keep it simple. Find a way to leverage different techniques and strategies to keep it simple. Okay. Well, because in my mind, I was like, yeah, if I can find somebody who does it all. Oh, they'll do it all. They'll do it all. Yeah, absolutely. It's challenging, Mike, because it's not that they're going to make more money off of you. It's similar. They want to protect you, right? They want to mitigate as much risk and liability as as possible. But the thing is, there's got to be this even ground somewhere to keep your sanity of keeping it smooth. Because if it's so complex, you don't understand it. Like nobody's going to care more about your money than you do. So if you don't understand what you've set up, how do you know how you're doing? Ah, that's a great point. And I think for a lot of people, that's kind of the intimidation, especially as docs, because you're used to being the expert and you went through residency and you have a hard time not knowing. Yes. A hard time being like, I have no idea about this. And that balance of going into an entrepreneurial world, which is really what real estate is, where you kind of learn as you go a lot more than you do in medicine. But at the same time, there is that nobody cares more about your money than yourself. And there's a balance between those things. And the legal structure, at least to me, is one of those. I feel like I Mm -hmm. want somebody running that that knows what they're doing. So I guess where's the balance point there where I know enough, but they're setting it up? Is that where you're talking about the complexity that if they set up too much that all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I've got this machine, but I don't know how it works. Yeah. Is leveraging those relationships still 100% use a consultant who has the entity structure attorney on their team, the CPAs on their team may not even have to have the CPAs. I mean, a lot of times you can plug your CPA into these types of arrangements, but still leverage that relationship, Mike, but understand, keep it simple. If somebody can't explain this to you simply, then it's simply too difficult, right? Or they simply don't know it. There's that quote that goes in there, but it's that way. Keep it simple. And I was just on a call earlier today and it was just fascinating. There was a gentleman who was telling me a story about financial literacy, that it does not require a formal education. Yes, some of the things that we do get complex, but if you make it over complex, there's probably a better word for that. Uh, I'll just keep it simple here, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you make it too difficult, then it's going to be overwhelming. It's going to be troublesome. You're going to set yourself up for additional costs. So just use the consultant, but ask the questions to keep things simple. Is this the simplest way that we could set this up? Okay. And that way you don't mess it up either because this whole structure and asset protection is for asset protection. And if you get Mm -hmm. to build some big thing that's too complex to run the right way, you may lose some of that protection. So let me tell you some things that we've done. And as an investor, I've spent the last, uh, was it nine years now, specifically direct to owner in single family. So if you've ever been called by somebody, emailed, direct mailed, text message, that was my outfit, right? So for me to get a hold of your personal information, that's done by simple steps. And I can keep simple steps in my process to keep the anonymity and maintain that liability, that corporate veil, that separation. So one of the big things that I always look for is making sure that the information that goes public is information that I want to go public. Well, I'm talking about my registered agent, who my registered agent is on an entity structure, where is my mailing address? I will use virtual offices, the way I name my LLCs. So there's these ways that say, 
I don't want you to call me. I don't want you to find out who I am, not because I'm hiding anything, but I don't want to deal with any of that. And same way with litigating attorney, if they're going to search out you for how much you're worth, Mike, make them have to do their work to get through these spots to see not every single house is, this is Mike's house, LLC. This is Mike's house, LLC. Right. So there's, again, simple steps that we can do to keep the anonymity and maintain that corporate veil. And I think this for the listeners, if it seems overwhelming, like it's all this stuff, like, oh, I shouldn't do that. That's again, where you go back to building it. You find your place where you learn about it, like your residency, and you buy the first house and mm-hmm. you set up the structure on that first house. You make that one run, you go through the process, and then you do the second one. Some of this complexity you're talking about is if you have now 10, 20, things is where you're starting to figure out all this, but that doesn't just happen instantly. You do one, yep. you get to know that that first one is the biggest learning curve. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. And then when you're like, okay, I understand how this one runs and you still learn more on each one, but the structure and the process, even if you have the money, you don't just go buy 20. No. <laughs> you start with one and then you can screw it up you know, and you're paying your tuition. You yeah. know, do the first one and you can mess it up. And the more you have somebody to help you, the less you mess it up. But there's that learning process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, anything else? This has been a great conversation. I've learned a ton. I didn't expect to learn some of this stuff. Some of it was because my wife was talking about yeah. buying short-term rentals. So I'm like, all right, okay, I got to get some yep. answers here. So, yeah. A story for you. And as we were talking about for the hypothetical that we were talking about there in the short-term scenario, Mike, was this investor that I work with was talking to me about buying a house and it was in the Caribbean on an island outside of the U.S. And they go there, they visit there, and they were going to build this new house. Well, They had gotten into this process. It was a new build. Anyway, it didn't work out. It's been a couple of years. So the costs went up. They were going to refund the money or they could pay more to build the house. They ended up, didn't do that. They were going to look at another house. And this house was, I don't know, it was a couple million dollars. And he says to me, Brett, what do you think? Well, first of all, that's not my lane. But let me ask you a little bit more about this. Why do you want to own this house in the Caribbean? right? What's the reason why? Because if it's just sounds cool and it's something that you want to do, maybe you want to go visit it. Let's think about it this way. You've got to build trust, a relationship with somebody outside of the country who you're going to trust with a $2 million asset. And you are going to visit this every now and then, right? So if you're busy now, think of how much time you're going to have to invest to start this new business somewhere else, a different country. And if you really think about it, coming back down to the why, why would you want to do this? Why would you want to do short terms in 10 different spots? Why would you want to own this house in the Caribbean, right? For $2 million, you could buy a million dollar jet and fly there multiple times and pay $600,000 in rent, you know, and just have a smoking time, right? A crazy time. And that seems like a lot more fun to me than buying it. So it always comes back down to the why. Before you get into something, keep asking yourself why. Why do I want this? It's not the money, Mike. It's not the time, Mike. It's what you're going to do with that. And we've talked about that before in the past. Being a high performer 
what do you want to do? Why do you want your time back? Well, it's what you want to do with your time. It's who you're going to spend that time with. It's who you're going to become. So knowing the answer to that question, I think is really important, whether you go short-term, long-term, multifamily, whatever, that's the most important part. And I love the whole sexy thing because we all get that. You see something and you're like, well, man, I'd love to own that. That's cool. Where in the end, often your best returns in things that $150,000 house is not and They sexy. just creep and they creep and they creep and they creep and you keep investing that money back in. It starts compounding. Man, that's sexy to me, Mike. <laughs> and once you get going, yeah. then you see the sexy once you get yeah, going. When you're looking at it, then you drive by that big fancy house on Miami Beach and it's not sexy at all. Because it doesn't creep along and keep growing into a big yes. snowball of cash. Because it doesn't say cash flow to me. Absolutely. That's awesome. So... Before we finish here, because I keep looking at the guitar. So you were in a band. Was that in college? Tell me about your guitar experience. Yeah. So um, it was actually why I took so long to graduate college. I had, I think it was a four-year gap in my 10-year college career that I played music. And this was before YouTube, before all of that stuff. So learning was just a little bit different. It was the beginning of the internet kind of thing the mass reach to the internet to say and out of high school into college and in this period i'd written songs and i was teaching myself to play i didn't know that other people weren't doing those things so once i had that self-realization is hey this is different and i also started noticing that i was picking up people that wanted to play with me because i did write songs so it was a cool time and it was different. It was just a different life. I think one of the biggest blessings in my life, Mike, is that that thing didn't take me where it could have. I feel that real estate has picked up from where that has left off. So before we go to that connection, what kind of music did you play? Great question. The best way to describe it is Americana. And it's like a mix between, I would say like classic country, classic rock, kind of fused with bluegrass. All right. So like red oh. dirt music, you know, I'm here in the Carolinas now. So I know what red dirt is now. I grew up in Michigan, though. That's awesome. So that connection of what you learned and that like not going to school and kind of putting yourself out there as a musician, what's the biggest thing you took out of that has helped you in real estate? Putting myself entrepreneurship. I was the one booking the shows, printing the merch, setting the merch table up. I ran sound like I was the band boss, right? <laughs> I think that was one of the biggest takeaways. And now going from there into real estate was just another piece because I started my own construction business first. And then I started our active fix and flip company. Now the hold company, now the consulting company. So it was just evolving, right? It was entrepreneurship at its greatest, just evolving. That's awesome. All right. Well, Brett, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been awesome. I've learned a ton. I hope everybody else has learned a ton. In the show notes, we should have how to get a hold of you. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah. What I want to do is I can't express how important this is for me to share this information. And the listeners can probably tell Mike, you can see me get animated you know, <laughs> with my passion. The same way lies with this guitar that's hanging on my wall, but the passion to share what we've learned. And it gives me goosebumps to think about it. And this is literally for free, realestateresidency.com forward slash 30 day free, 30 D-A-Y-F-R-E-E. -E. So we can put that in the notes. 
that's a great way. There's a way to get signed up there. And then you can contact me with the Zoom link that's in there and we can have little meetups. Like I'm doing everything I can to provide as much value as possible. There's a point in our lives where we shift, where we're able to give back without expectation of return. All right. Realestateresidency.com. Yes, sir. Forward slash three zero D-A-Y-F-R-E-E. Let you check that and see if that looks right to you. Yes, sir. And I'll just uh, double check. I will put that HTTP right in there too. So there's the All right. Link. There we go. It's 30 day free. And that 30 day is to motivate you. If there's something there to push you, that's the best way to do it. Keep rolling. The biggest piece is just take an action. You know, don't be the standby partner. Get in, take action, start talking about this stuff. Get out there, start doing this stuff because it will change your life. Diversify your income so that you can practice medicine passionately, not because you have to pay your bills. And you'll be amazed when you start talking to people about it, who you find out might be doing the same thing or wanting to do the same thing. Absolutely. As you do. I had that recently, right after the podcast launched, two people I've worked with in the hospital for the last almost 10 years called me the next day, Mike, this is so cool. We've been trying to find somebody to help us do this. Once you start mentioning it, you'll find people. And this has been so awesome. So thank you so much for being on the show. Everybody go visit that. It's a great free resource to just start learning and start your real estate journey. All right, Brett, thanks again for being on the show and hope to talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks to all the listeners out there. Make sure you drop a comment in on his show, review his show, give him five stars and keep spreading the word about Surgeon Syndicate. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you got value from this episode, you know other surgeons are hungry to become job optional and you can help them by sharing this content today. I'd also love to serve you better, so I wanted to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you take a moment and leave an honest written review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. And number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help you. Schedule a call and we can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.